you have to find what interests you specifically and then join that team. And then when there's enough people around it, we form a sub-DAO with its own assets, with its own governance. And it's like your World of Warcraft guild that has its own bank account. That was Gabby Dyson, co-founder of Yield Guild Games. So in the coming months and years, NFTs are going to be used as playable items in games. This is already happening in games like Axie Infinity. If you're a gamer, you'll want to have access to the best NFTs to compete. Yield Guild is a DAO that invests in these gameable NFTs. They're not collectible art NFTs. They're only NFTs that are used in virtual worlds and blockchain-based games. They then lend out these NFTs to guild members so that they can compete, splitting up the profits from the gameplay. Now, on top of that, there's also overarching governance that is all done via their token, which is YGG. And at the time of this recording, YGG has a fully diluted market cap of 7.5 billion US dollars. It's grown quite a bit. So here's my take. There is no doubt that NFTs are going to be a huge part of gaming going forward. They're going to be interoperable so that you can use NFTs across games. It's early days, but this is a sector that I track very closely, so I wanted to have Gabby on the show. And also, as you can imagine, being so deep into NFTs, Gabby also collects art NFTs, so we had to cover that. I had a ton of fun. Gabby is just a fantastic human. Let's chat with him. Kevin Rose and his guests are not registered investment advisors. All opinions are Kevin's and his guests alone. Nothing discussed today should be relied upon for investment decisions, nor is it investment advice. This show is solely for information and entertainment purposes only. Please work directly with an investment professional. Gabby, it's so great to have you on the show. Thanks for joining me. Kevin, no, it's, it's my pleasure. I'm really excited to talk about what you're building because it is just the right idea at the right time. And it, it feels like the future to me. So I, mm-hmm. I would love to, you know, many people, I would say probably the, the vast majority will not uh, necessarily know about your project. So let's start from the very beginning. Can you tell us what you're building? Sure. So I, I lead a, what we call a play to earn gaming guild called Yield Guild Games or just Yield Guild or YGG for short. And I guess let's uh, go back from my background. So I come from a game developer background, been making games for uh, 18 years now. And most recently, uh, free-to-play mobile games. And that's how I is- discovered um, blockchain and Ethereum specifically in 2017. We heard about Ethereum and the concept of smart contracts. And it, it got us really interested because like just the notion of, programmable money was very interesting to us. And we started to experiment with it with Solidity to see how it could potentially disrupt the game industry in the coming year. So that's how we got our start. And then while we were doing this, CryptoKitties came out in late 2017 and popularized the non-fungible token. And that was really like a holy shit moment for me. It's, oh my God, you can now store unique assets, basically game items on the blockchain and have them live outside of games. And that was such a kind of radical notion back then that you could have an asset inside, I mean, that was formerly inside a game that could now live independently outside of it. So that's what got me hooked on uh, blockchain and NFTs. So I've been in the NFT space since early 2018, started and started developing a 
blockchain game called Battle Racers, which is still around today. And notably enter the Axie Infinity community as a player and investor in late 2018. Axie started as a derivative of CryptoKitties, but instead of just breeding, there was kind of a bat- auto-battling environment around it. And yeah, I just thought it was really interesting. The community was very welcoming. And I just started really playing and enjoying Axie Infinity. And then fast forward to 2020, so last year, it was kind of the start of the COVID period. And people, a lot of people were locked down at home. There's a lot of uncertainty. People were uh, laid off from their jobs. And I was playing Axie maybe four hours a day at this point. And wow. I started... Yeah. You were hooked. Hooked. Yeah, I was playing a lot of it. And I started noticing people from my country in the Philippines starting to get into the game. There were barely any Filipinos in Axie Infinity before COVID. And the reason they came in was that earlier in that year, Axie um, introduced some gameplay mechanic that now is called Play to Earn. How this mechanic works is that they introduced a reward token called SLP or Smooth Love Potion that you earn when you when you win games inside the arena and what gives it value is that it's an ingredient that you have to burn when you breed two axes to create a new ones if you're a player coming in like you don't buy axes from the team you have to buy them from other players and there's the class of players known as breeders who uh, basically breed axes and supply axes to new players coming in and that was the kind of whole play-to-earn loop that just started the whole play-to-earn movement with, with Axie Infinity. Yeah, crazy. So you were, I mean, gosh, you got started on this pretty early. It must have been a little frustrating to have such an, a, a great realization of what NFTs could bring to the space. And even today, it's just now barely starting to happen, yeah. right? It's been quite a few years. Yeah, it's been quite a few years. There, there were some early believers in 2018. And I would say that the market environment then from 2018 to first half of 2020 was very difficult. Like there was barely any money. It was a crypto bear market. A lot of people left the space. The interesting thing is that if you see who the leaders are in NFTs now, a lot of them actually got their start in 2018 or late 2017. Mm-hmm. And didn't quit the market. So for example, mm. you have Roham from Dapper is doing like massively successful now. You have Devin and Alex from OpenSea who got started in early 2018. The Axie guys also started. They launched the game in like March 2018. And I started in 2018 and fortunately didn't leave. There were some really dicey moments when I thought I needed to get a job. But fortunately, we managed to hang on. And honestly, Yield would never have happened if we didn't kind of stay in the market the entire time. So I'm curious, Gabby, what did you, you know, you're playing the game, you're, you're, you're pretty dedicated, it's the middle of COVID, I mean, nobody really wants to, it's, it's kind of a, a depressing time, <laughs> you know, it's like, why not just become a breeder and, and, and make some money doing that? What made you say, I want to go do something bigger? So I was actually already one of the biggest breeders um, in the game back then. How many, and, how many were you breeding a day? I'm curious. Well, well, I had around like close to a thousand axes at that point. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And when people coming in, so I started by selling them axes and yeah, a lot of people were buying it because they wanted to get started. And then I was breeding more and a lot of people were coming in who wanted to play and earn money, but they couldn't afford the upfront cost of the axes. So the team back then was maybe between two to 300 bucks. It's probably more like five, 600 right now. And these people are really desperate for income, but didn't have 
um, the upfront capital to purchase oh. the axes. Interesting, because they knew there was money to be made. They're just there's no. You, it's not like you can go knocking on a bank and be like, "Hey, give yeah. <laughs> me some money for an axe." You know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. So they had the time. They had the skill, which is like gaming skill. They didn't have the capital. And then someone in the Axie community, a guy named AK, discovered that you could basically lend out Axies because there's two types of login in Axie Infinity. There's the like username password login and there's the wallet login. And if you gave someone else, for example, if I gave you my username and password, you can log into the game and access my account. But you can't run away with my assets because you don't have access to the private key. Mm. which means that I could actually give you access to my account and you could start playing Axie Infinity. You can start earning SLP, but you couldn't run away with the assets because I still held the the private key of the wallet. Interesting. So let me, one question there just to p- pick on that uh, security-wise. So it, what if they go in and then, I get how the wallet is linked to that account, right? Mm-hmm. And so they can't take your axes, but they can log in and play. That's right. Now, if they change the password, you could always just take your wallet to a different account and link it, breaking that original link. Is that how you would save yes, yourself? And, and I could always log in with a wallet because the wallet, um, Trumps in. everything, right? Yeah, exactly, exactly, right? So it was a quirk of the ac- architecture of the game that led someone in the community to discover how a rental model could work. What And the, the most interesting thing about this is that the Axie team never planned this. So the, like the gigantic growth of Axie now that has led to the success that it is was actually because they leaned on their community and the communities found interesting solutions. So you basically said, hey, I, I have this idea. I have a ton of Axie. I don't have enough hours in the day. How can I lend them out to people, uh, let them go and play with them? And then how do you pick apart? They're going to earn money on it. I'm assuming you're renting mm-hmm. them out. Like, How did you build an overarching kind of model for this whole thing? Sure. So, so some of the early community discovered this and started doing what they call the scholarship programs. And how it worked was that like they got a bunch of people, gave them accounts, they started playing, and then they would give 70% of the SLP earned to the player and they would keep the 30%. And every was done, was done manually. They would add new wallets on MetaMask, create new accounts in Axie Infinity, and basically do the revenue share manually, get their personal wallet address, send out the SLP, have a giant spreadsheet to figure things out. Like it was very manual and painful, especially as the number of scholars you were serving increased. And that was when I came in and said, I want to do this in a scalable manner so that we can help thousands and possibly up to millions of people around the world in uh, play to earn. So that's how YGG started. So I got together with two of my co-founders, Beryl, who comes from a kind of uh, crypto wallet fintech side, and Owl of Moistness, who's an anonymous smart contract developer who was actually already there in the Axie community when, when I came in. And we wanted to build a guild that would be able to offer access to play to earn assets to people around the world in, in a scalable manner. Hmm. How did you do that? <laughs> that, sounds like, that sounds like there's a lot of devil in the details there, right? Yeah, like, how do you, how do you pull that off? So first of all is automation. So we had a smart contracts that would handle things like, send axes to this account so that we can offer the account to the players. We work with independent community managers who would become what we call scholarship managers who would be doing the recruitment and kind of training of their own sub-communities. And we had, yeah, we had smart contracts to manage the assets, sending them to, to wallets, giving giving accounts to people. And crucially, when like it came to 
revenue share, we would also split the revenues. It would be 70% to the scholar or the player, 20% to the community manager, and 10% to us, to the guild. It's all done by uh, kind of APIs and smart contracts so that we can do this scalably to, to a lot of people around the world. And the next part of that was that with capital as well. So we, we set out to basically become a venture-funded guild and raised money from a bunch of crypto uh, crypto funds led by Delphi Digital, who also worked on Axie Infinity beforehand. And it basically used that capital to be able to breed a lot of Axies without That's having great. to stop and, and take profit. So yeah, so we thought about it from kind of a, from a community level, from a technology scaling level, from a capital level, how can we scale this so that we can serve many, like lots of people around the world. So question on the SLP stuff, when that is delivered to your wallet, does it have to hit a certain minimum before they do a transfer into your wallet? Or do you have to withdraw and spend your own gas to pull it into the wallet? How does that work? We pay for the gas. There is a certain minimum, like we looking at maybe 150 to 200 SLP per day. And um, yeah, like we want, we, there is a certain threshold before we kind of trigger that um, revenue share. And, and let's talk about the actual YGG token itself and how that interacts with everything else. Can what what causes the value of YGG to increase over time? I mean, you're holding assets at the guild level, so the appreciation of those assets would then somewhat translate back to the token. Is that correct? And, and what other factors am I missing? So at the very basic level, YGG is a governance and membership token. So governance meaning over time, like token holders will be able to make proposals as to what the DAO could do with basically the assets or like with the guild itself. And membership in the sense that by by holding YG tokens and associated NFTs, you'd be able to access like quests in different games that we're partnered with that would enable you to earn a more of the passion. And we, we publish all of the, the wallets we have, like in a very transparent manner. So we say, here are the games that we've invested in. Here's the assets. Here's the price we paid. And here's the kind of nominal value of that now. So we want people to be able to take a look at everything we own and say, okay, here's how the guild treasury is growing. And we're very aggressively investing into more game assets and NFTs in different games all the time. So because we want to offer more assets of different games to our player base, keep on growing our players. And yeah, basically, that's how you can kind of value what the YGG, whole YGG network is worth. Gotcha. Obviously, Axie is massive. What's on your radar, both launched and unlaunched in terms of other games that are going to have these types of assets? And then what other assets could you eventually rent out? Because in some sense, there's the play to earn assets where you're like, you need this to play. And then there's another world where you say, hey, maybe someone wants a really cool jacket for an avatar that's very expensive that they want to rent out for, you know, 30 days. Like, how do you think about all that? Okay, so YGG specifically invests into yield-bearing NFT assets. Okay. So we want to buy into assets that we can then lend out to our player base so that our players can use those assets, play the game, or enter a virtual world and earn some kind of yield. So it could be axes in Axie Infinity. We have cars in Formula One Delta Time. We have land in a variety of games such as Sandbox, League of Kingdoms. Splinter Land as well. Actually, land is a very popular component of a lot of these games. But the idea is, even though we like certain things such as collectibles, they don't produce any yield. And we, we don't actually trade assets. We don't buy it and sell them. We actually buy them and 
hopefully hold them forever as long as our players are deriving some value out of it. So we only take a look at yield-bearing assets. Hmm, interesting. So in the case of land, that could be rented out. You could charge, you have leases on it, so it could be subdivided. Like there's a thousand different things you could do with that, right? That's right. That's right. Very cool. So you mentioned a bunch of games that are in market today. First of all, do you only do assets on Ethereum or are you considering other chains? Because I guess Axie is by default, it's its own chain now, right? Yeah, it's in Ronin now, but we go where the games are. So for example, I, we're in Sandbox, we're in Formula One Delta Time and the Rev Racing. We're in League of Kingdoms. We've invested into Guild of Guardians, which is on Emitable, Ember Sword, which is on Polygon, and just a host of other games that are coming out within the next maybe six to two years. Like it's it's never been a better time to be kind of a gaming founder. And I, there's just so much kind of white space in terms of play to earn design that it's it's never been a more exciting time to start a new gaming company. That's so cool. You must just hear about, you know, a lot of games that are pre-release and things that are developers are working on. Is there... I know it's probably too early to answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Is it too early to say, gosh, it seems like the momentum is moving this direction? Meaning there's a, there's a certain, maybe Polygon's picking up some of the layer two mm-hmm. traffic, or maybe you see a lot of people talking about developing on Solana. Are there certain chains that stand out as starting to gain some momentum? Honestly, I think most of them are going to have significant gaming activity. I don't see like one chain winning out. I think. For example, Polygon is great if you want to kind of remain tethered to the to the Ethereum ecosystem. Immutable X is a really good one as well. That they have their kind of own ecosystem of games that they're publishing on their own. Solana is picking up a ton of traction, and honestly, I think all of them will gain significant traction. There's just it's like so many new games coming out, and whatever the good one is, they're gonna we're gonna fill up all of those blocks. Yeah, I agree. I'm, I'm not like I'm. I'm not a fan of having laser eyes, any colored eyes. <laughs> like, I, I feel like, you know, Same it's, here. It's there's just going to be so many different chains and and cool projects. You, you want to just go where the cool projects are. So it just, as long as they function, and not, exactly. and they don't fall over. That's the only thing and, that really matters. And each chain has its own set of trade offs. You right. want a newer developer environment, but maybe don't have as many developers or. Do you want something that is kind of still tethered somehow to the Ethereum ecosystem? Do you want more security or speed or decentralization? It's all trade-offs in my head, and you just have to make the correct trade-offs for the game you are building. Yes, uh, that makes sense. How are people participating in governance so far? You mentioned you know, having the YGT token will allow you to vote on certain issues. What has happened to date, and then what do you imagine will happen in, in the future? Okay, so we have this concept of sub-DAOs, and sub-DAOs are basically kind of the DAOs that are under Yield Guild that are organized around a certain game or region. So we have one sub-DAO around our estate in League of Kingdoms called YGG LOK, and we put together, we bought a 286 land estate in the game League of Kingdoms, which is like a strategy game similar to Clash of Clans, mm-hmm. and we put it in its own wallet and issued a token that is basically considered like a fractional ownership of of that estate. And we let the active players in the game buy into it. So instead of owning land, they own they own a portion of that kind of of that estate. And now they're participating in governance solving issues such as what do we do with the yield generated? So for example, the first proposal they ever pass is that the game itself generates yield in the form of die. 
and they passed a proposal to cr- turn the die into C die so that the yield was earning yield, which I thought was pretty cool. Mm. And when Yield Guild itself did its token sale, the, the SubDAO Guild um, passed a proposal to buy YGG tokens. So the SubDAO owns YGG tokens. Wow. And, and they coordinate on things like, you know, when are we going on raids together? Who are we going to attack? So it's very interesting in that the day-to-day coordination of what is basically like a World of Warcraft guild, but you're doing it with real-world assets, earning real-world yield. So we're focusing on the SubDAO governance first. And then at the top level, we're building kind of the products and the infrastructure to support all of these sub-guilds. So I think we'll be slower to decentralize on that as we build out our vision. But we want the economic benefits of being in the guild kind of decentralized early on. It's always tricky, isn't it? I, I talked to so many different projects and and you have to think about... I'm not a big fan of design by committee. Like I've never thing seen really, you know, high functioning like yeah, masses yeah. come together to make good design decisions. You know, if you'd ask the masses to design the original iPhone, it would look nothing like it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Right. So it's like how do you decide, you know, how much of this to pass on to the community and then how much do you do internally? It sounds like you're leaning more towards leadership driven internally with some community kind of at the edges. Is that is that right for now? Yeah, I wouldn't say at the edges, but how the games are played is definitely in the hands of the community. So the day-to-day, how do we coordinate on playing this game together is like 100% in the hands of the community. That makes sense. They're in the weeds, right? They're going to understand how to do that best. Yeah, and we've actually surfaced some really interesting games that we haven't taken a look at on the investment side because the community was interested in it. But on the, I would say, vision and product level of the guild itself that's still closely held by the founders and team but like with the sub itself like the day-to-day activities of playing the game which earns the revenue that is like very community driven even the community managers running these games are from the community but i would say like the product infrastructure and the investment decisions coming from the guild is still closely held by the founders and team as of this time that makes sense this is so cool. I, I wonder how does someone get involved? I mean, there's so many different things that you're <laughs> doing in so many pieces. Do you kind of have to look at the list of games that you support and be like, oh, I want to play one of those and then jump into a Discord and find the right room? Is that how people like get started? That is absolutely how people get started. Okay. Uh, like <laughs> Discord.gg slash YGG. Very easy to remember. And then when you're there, there's 30 games that like people are involved into at some level. Some are full on sub DAOs. Some of them are basically just people are kind of playing personally with no specific guild involvement yet. There's always new games coming in with um, AMAs. There's a karaoke room where people just randomly sing and hang out. That is amazing. Like, yeah, there is like there are like contests where players can earn NFTs in in different games. So there's a lot of going on. And Yield Guild itself is not a guild. It is what do we call a guild of guilds or a federation of guilds. So mm-hmm. when you go in there, the trick into staying is to find your tribe. What is that specific game mm. you're interested in, or maybe you're interested with playing games with people who speak the same language as you or you're coming from the same country with like similar interests or maybe you're interested for example like we have an esports team in for nft games starting with axie infinity so we have we maintain a roster of esports players and then there's an active tournament scene so you have to find like what um, interests you specifically and then kind of join that team and then when there's enough people around it we form a sub DAO with its own assets, with its own governance. And, and it's, you know, it's like your world of Warcraft guild that has its own bank account 
right? And that lives outside of any one game that you can go into different games too. That's kind of how... You know, it's it's awesome that you're you're based in the Philippines. It must make it a lot easier to to deal with. Where well, I don't know on the regulation side, but I'm curious. You know, on the DAOs that I'm a part of, at least in the states here, we have to be careful about you know making sure they're done in the right way and how mm-hmm. we file our taxes and all that. How do you think of that as a global company? Is that something that you just put the onus back on the end user consumer to figure out, or how does that work? We are definitely a global DAO. I do think it is a little more, I would say, complex if you are a U.S. citizen. But how DAOs relate with basically the physical world and the kind of regulations in different countries is something that we are kind of figuring out as we speak. We're actually actively talking with regulators in countries like but uh, the Philippines, but not limited to it. And I think that as we grow our player base in a lot of these countries around the world, starting in Southeast Asia and uh, Latin America, I think we'll be actually dealing with lobbying, talking to governments, and yeah, basically acting as uh, kind of the go-between from the kind of metaverse digital nations that are in these games and the real worlds that we inhabit. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. It is a, a messy, well, it's just undefined. I wouldn't even call yeah. it messy at this point. It's just undefined. <laughs> it's, it's very Wild West. I, yeah. I view it as like America in the 1700s where people went out, like discovered land. There was no regulations. There were no physical right. borders. And we're trying to build structure out of it. That is how I view the metaverse right now. Right, which is crazy because in those times you could also just walk up and shoot someone. Like there was like, there was like, there was like not a whole lot of, of rules. Yeah, it was dangerous. So, okay, question around up and coming games. You know, Axie for me. That is me speaking personally. Every, uh-huh. every time I talk about Axie, I'm just like I'm tired of hearing about Axie. I don't. <laughs> I, I'm late to the party. I keep kicking myself. Like every three <laughs> months, I've kicked myself because I'm like, it's like it's too late to get in. It's too late to get in. It's too late to get. And and I feel like that ship has sailed. Has the Axie ship sailed? I mean, I know it's still growing and it's wildly popular, but if you really wanted to collect the NFTs and get in there, it seems like I'd be late. And then this follow-up question that would be, what's the next Axie? Okay, so for Axie specifically, it has maybe like over 1 million DAU right now. I think it's actually gonna, there's still one more, at least one more order of magnitude of growth behind it. Yeah, there's over a million players. Half of them are in the Philippines. Do you think um, it'll still continue to grow? Like, is the mechanic caught on outside of the Philippines and other areas where you think, you know, this could be 10 million people in the United States playing Axie? I, I could see it. So the thing with cracking the United States is not in the core kind of play-to-earn mechanic. It has to be the opposite, aspirational. And this is actually where esports come in. So esports is a like very emerging field in NFT games because, for example, YGG has an esports team. And the idea is I can come in as a player, start playing these games, getting better, and then one day I can be world champion. So we want YGG to be like the number one NFT esports team in the world as well. That's crazy. What what esports would you say are... Because I, I know So Rare and some of the others that do yeah. kind of like more... What do they call that when it's like... Fantasy. It's like fantasy, yeah. Yeah, yeah. What are you seeing in the esports uh, arena? So there is actually a very competitive and active tournament scene around Axie Infinity. It's a little similar to what Hearthstone is, Blizzard. And there is a nice, easy to learn, but difficult to master element there. And the prizes are getting compelling. Like the prizes are getting to, I would say, five digits per tournament. And it's it's starting to grow. So for people who are like very competitive, yeah, I think Axie is a good start. I, I get it now. So you're saying that the esports aspect sits on top of Axie. 
That's right. That's right. So we actually just hired our head of esports. He used to be a program manager covering Hearthstone at Blizzard Entertainment. So we're seeing this as a huge growth field for us. Crazy. Okay. So outside of Axie, if you had your crystal ball and you had to think of, you know, two or three, if I want to catch the Axie like eight months ago, what would that, what would that be in your mind where you're like, wow, that has some initial good traction. I think this one's going to be huge. So this one hasn't gone out yet, but I really like Guild of Guardians. It's like Diablo-ish, which I played the hell out of like years oh, so ago. So you and me both, man. I love Diablo. <laughs> in fact, I want to go back and play it again. I, I just yeah, got yeah. A, a gaming but, a laptop. I was like, I should go revisit this. Yeah, yeah. Like Diablo 2 Remastered is, is out now, right? But yes. yeah, it's a, it's a mobile ARPG. Diablo, it has guild support. They actually sold guild slots, which think of them as like um, guild medallions. And we actually bought a bunch of them enough to cover over a thousand players so that's really exciting that Um, one's called guild of guardians yeah yeah Uh, and what chain is that going to be based on out of curiosity so it's being published by the immutable team so it's going to be an immutable x oh i will check that one out any any others ember sword is like fantasy mmorp like proper fantasy mmo that's yeah that's also under development and that's pretty exciting as well why did you got an entire city there so that we can have something for our, our players to populate and honestly we're just seeing so many games like there's a lot of games coming out right now that i think will be really awash in like options of how you want to spend your time in the metaverse like 12 months from now awesome well we'll have to keep i you know i looked at ember sword i almost picks them up but it was they we had that whole fiasco around the, yeah. the, the day of minting it, it was issues they were you were using polygon right and they had yeah. Some, yeah. some serious problems so i didn't yeah. get any, but we did they, it flamingo we got some at flamingo down which oh, is great yeah that's awesome cool so this is awesome i would encourage people to go check out the discord as you mentioned play this this sounds so cool i mean it is definitely as these games become more and more popular and as you know this is just makes a ton of sense. Like the coordination and the sharing and the NFTs as actual assets that can be lent out. It's it's certainly the future of gaming. I'm a big believer. Curious, do you collect NFTs outside of gaming, like on your own? Yeah, so I have thousands of NFTs myself. So I started with gaming NFTs and then I actually branched into crypto art like in 2019 bought a Josie Bellini, sold it the year after for 10 times what I had originally paid for it. Stupidly, I should have held it. But that actually got me down the rabbit hole of crypto art collecting. So uh, I, I I have a ton of NFT art and I have my own art gallery, which I share with a friend in uh, Decentraland called Nara Gallery. Um, oh, I got to yeah. check that out. Can we put that in the show notes and send people over there to check out your gallery? Yeah, absolutely. You can find it at twitter.com slash Nara Gallery, N-A-R-R-A Gallery, and the Decentraland address is right there. So it shows Colin's curated artworks and mine as well. And yeah, just happy to have visitors over there. Who are your favorite artists that are out there today? Do you, are you an art blocks collector? Are you X-Copy? Or do you like any of the, do you hold CryptoPunks? On the crypto art side, I specialize in up and coming like talented artists. So I, I do have some of, for example, Pac and other famous artists, but mm-hmm. I prefer supporting the ones that are kind of up and coming. People like Shelly Sonieha, um, Daniela Doodles, Caroline D and other artists. Like the, these are the ones that I like to support. And like it, I like to think of myself as like an angel investor of artists mm-hmm. and the angel invest in them by buying their artwork. And then yes. I help the distribution. That's why I have the art gallery. I display their art there and I help them kind of become 
more like famous and popular. And if I help them do that and they, they're able to make a career out of it, then naturally the value of their works go up. So that's what gives me, I would say, this fulfillment of, of investing in crypto art. Yeah, I think we're aligned. Like mm-hmm. we said this off before we started recording, uh, but we said we we have fun hanging out and talking about this stuff <laughs> if we ever get together in person. But I'm in the same boat where I I, I love supporting up and coming artists. I think it's 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 the best way to kind of like you said, like angel invest or back them is to buy their yeah. art, yeah. and then they will then in turn as they become more popular, go and back other artists, and it's just going to be this beautiful cycle that I hope to leads to some type of NFT digital renaissance. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Um, very cool. Well, that that's thank you for sharing some of those artists. We'll definitely put all those links in the show notes, and I'll go check out the gallery. That that sounds great. Cool. So, anything to add at the at the end here, in in terms of where you're taking things, or anything we haven't covered? Sure. So, I I see what we're building with Yield Guild and all of the other things around NFTs as kind of on one hand, this is where the future of work is going. The reason I think that play to earn and kind of the metaverse thesis um, is going to be huge is that people are not just going to be playing games for entertainment anymore. A lot of them are actually going to work there. Like It may not be like a nine-to-five job, but it's where people basically will find an income depending on the skills that they have. And I think this is actually where the kind of creator economy and crypto slash NFTs will converge, wherein I may have a different set of skills. I may be a player. If I'm really good, I may be like an esports athlete. I may be a kind of creator of like avatars. I may design digital clothing, but there's a place for me and there's a virtual world or game for me in the metaverse where I can apply my skills and be fulfilled while earning an income. And honestly, this is the part that really excites uh, excites me the most. And I think it's going to be much, much, much bigger than where the current game industry is at right now. Yeah, I agree completely. It, well, it's exciting that that you were the first here. And I, I think mm-hmm. what you said earlier made a lot of sense where it's you're at the right place at the right time, but you also stuck with it. And that's mm-hmm. where a lot of people didn't. They got excited early, they bailed, and then now they're playing catch-up, which I put myself in that bucket as well because <laughs> I got excited early and then, then bailed but came back. But it was, you know, now you're you're well-positioned. I mean, you are the leader in this whole movement. So it's, it's fantastic to see, and it's certainly the future. One thing I think worth mentioning at, at the end here, you know, I had purchased some YGG a while ago, and I took mm-hmm. it into sushi.com, uh-huh. and I, I put, clicked on the farming there, and I know there's the, the 2x rewards for farming. So yeah. you can put that asset to use. So, you know, I, I combined YGG with wrapped ETH and yeah. I was farming that way. Is that the best way to earn, you know, to actually farm and, and earn interest on your YGG? So right now, yes, um, we are introducing a vault from our friends at Ondo Finance that will introduce sin- single side staking that's sitting on top of that sushi swap vault. So for example, if you don't want to have like combination of YGG and wrapped ETH, you can supply only YGG or only ETH, and then like the the vault will kind of supply the other side, and then you can earn yield on top of that. So oh, it's something fantastic. that we're actually just launching um, this week. Oh, great! And so, what what side is that? Um, Ondo Finance, O N D O Finance. So okay, great. Yeah. I will I will check that out. And what do you have any sense of what the interest rate is going to be initially? Well, it's it'll be sitting on top of the yield on Sushi Swap, so it will be kind of a derivative of that. But I think they're offering a way to do kind of levered yields on that as well. Hmm. Very cool. Yeah. So at Sushi, you know, 
obviously you're you're putting rap teeth up at the same time there's always a risk of impermanent loss there around the the anything that you farm but you have uh 89.28 currently at the time and obviously this fluctuates mm-hmm. annualized uh, 89.28 percent annualized um yield which is pretty freaking awesome i've been earning a ton of ygg which is great but that's amazing yeah, but it's nice to to do not have to put up the W the wrapped ETH on the other side of it. So you're saying you yeah. could just come straight in with YGG. Yeah. So how the Ondo Finance Vault works is that if you supply ETH only, you're going to get a lower fixed rate, and then if you supply YGG only, then you're going to get the variable rate, which is a much higher chance of upside. Right. Gotcha. Very cool. Well, this has been awesome. Gabby, every time I say, is there anything else? We keep going down the rabbit hole. Uh, where can people find you? Okay, so to find me, I am on Twitter uh, slash Gabush, G-A-B-U-S-C-H. I'm also on our Discord. So you can just go to discord.gg slash YGG and I will see you guys in the metaverse. Awesome. Thank you for being on the show, Gabby. Appreciate it. Thanks, Kevin. All right, that is it for this episode. And a quick reminder, we have two podcasts, Modern Finance covering all things crypto at modern.finance and Proof covering the world of NFTs at proof.xyz. If you enjoyed this show, head on over to our website and leave us a review. We'd appreciate it. Thanks so much. Take care. 